Welcome to another episode of the New Vision Podcast. Today I'm joined by Jermaine McDonald of Learn, Grow, Invest in Jamaica. We're going to be talking about why it's important for you to invest and not just keep your money in the bank or credit union. And we're going to also be talking about the different types of asset classes involved in investing. Stay tuned. Let's get into it. Thank you very much for joining us again for another episode. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Jermaine of Learn, Grow, Invest, and you can follow them on Instagram. Hi, Jermaine. How are you doing? How is it going on your side? I'm good. I'm doing pretty good. It's it's going well over this side. You know, the Olympics are going on, so we're happy about, you know, how we're doing so far. So I'm good. I only tuned in from two days. Well, we, this is being recorded on August 1st, but I only tuned in, I think, July 30th. Um, before then, I wasn't really <laughs> checking for anything that was happening. There you and go. Then, That's how it is. And then, <laughs> then not having crowds either doesn't really make for the most entertaining spectacle. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. all part of the new normal. So I want to start off with what would have inspired you to, to launch Learn, Grow, Invest in the first place? All right, cool. So Learn, Grow, Invest is a biblical investment community. So my wife and I founded it six months after we started investing ourselves. We thought it'd be a good place for persons to, you know, share their knowledge for us to learn from them. And eventually for us to start giving back to those who are starting as well. So we like to pay it forward. And so we, we started a community back in 2017 and you know, it, it kind of went from seven persons in a WhatsApp group to meeting at my office. Then we went to start meeting at uh, a bank's location. Then we went um, from that based on COVID to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's we've, we've grown tremendously. So what started as seven, now we are up to like 1,700 subscribers on YouTube and, you know, many more across social media. So can you sh- share a bit about your, your personal investing investment story as well? Sure, sure. So, it, so I started investing probably the way most people started. You know, you heard about investing, you heard about stocks, you hear, you hear that they're the best thing since sliced bread. And so, you know, I took actually my very first investment was in cryptocurrencies. <laughs> and so, when, when, you know, when, I bought, when was that? When, what was that when the that price was, was 300? In, in, no, no, that, that was in 2016. So mm. uh, we actually didn't start with, with a, a big name like Bitcoin or Ethereum. We started with one called Omisego. OMG is actually the name. And I always thought that was quite funny. So we started when when we started buying it, it was about nine dollars, and so we'd you know take some of our savings, purchase it, um, and you know as I started purchasing, I started to learn about it. And if you know the crypto markets well, you know it's extremely volatile. So you know one day I'm happy, next day I'm sad, <laughs> next day I'm panicking, <laughs> and so we learned very quickly that it's. It's not one of those markets that, you know, moves steady, but it taught us a lot. And, 
you know, I remember a very valuable lesson with that when that same, you know, crypto that I bought for $9 went to $30, right? So that's 300%. And, you know, I said, I said to my wife, let's, let's sell, let's, you know, take our, our profits. We're doing well. And that was around the same time now that Bitcoin made that run to 17,000. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nah, man, we have, we have more right. time. Our, our, <laughs> our target price was $50. So we're good. And then within two months, that went from $30 to about $2. And it was, of course, that we, we had bought some other things over that time. And that portfolio stayed about 95% down for about three to four years, as wow. you know, because from, from 2017, Bitcoin went from 17 to like, you know, $1,000. And it mm-hmm. took, you know, two to three years to get back to where it is now. I mean, so that was, you know, how I started with investing. A few months after that, I started to invest in the local market, the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. We started with our, our very first IPO in VMIL. And you know, that was a much better experience. That's in finance. So it's, it's Victor Mutual Investments Limited. Ah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that actually did better for us, but it was based on what we learned in investing in crypto. So, I mean, from there, I've, I've just, you know, tried to make good investment decisions. I try to, to learn as much as I can. I've lost some money, but I've also made some money. So I think, you know, investing is something that everybody should, should try to learn how to do in the best way that they can. And it's, it's been good. I really can't complain. We've been able to more than double our investments in, in the past five years. Well, that, that's very good. Um, j- just doing a rough thing that, that, that would mean you're about 18%-ish returns year on year then it sounds like yeah well um yeah and and that's really due to just you know so we started out very aggressive and then we got more and more conservative as we started to kind of branch out so we actually Mm. don't just invest in stocks we have real estate we have forex um and some other things that we work on because it's a it's a part of our investment philosophy to not just focus on stocks so we want to be well diversified we want multiple income streams and so we, when we just started investing, we'd be investing 30, 40, 50% of salary each month. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's actually, I mean, I said it doubles because I want to not go into detail, yeah, that's fair <laughs> but enough. We've, we've, we've been able to do fairly well for ourselves. That's fair enough. Um, I, I think one, one thing that can be useful, uh, Maybe it might not work for everyone, but I think if, if you've recently started, like just monitoring it for maybe a week, an initial week, and and, and if you're in crypto, you really see it more so. But um, even for my own portfolio, I, I monitor mine fairly often, um, at least four, three, four times a week. Um, and you sure that's not too much? It, it is for if you are going to be swayed by what you're seeing, but I do it because okay. I... It don't matter what what it does. I'm still gonna keep my money in. But doing that, if you just did it for a week, as you started, you would see that it can go up one percent, down one and a half percent. If you're more on the stock portfolio side of things, and you can just see it's going up and down. So 
that's just part of it. But when, when you check at the end, if you were just to check out and check back in 11 months, you'll see it maybe gone up 8%, 10%, 12%. And that's just part of the the ride. Um, so I wanted to mention that I, I was reading an article recently that was saying that black persons in America specifically, but this rings true for Barbados. I'm not sure what whether you would say it's the same for Jamaica, but we tend to be very risk averse and focus on just saving. And and we if we invest really, it's in quite low risk, low return assets. I did see that you had something on, on your Instagram where you're talking <laughs> yeah. about 300,000 Jamaican, I think it was invested, well, not invested, saved over a period of eight years in fixed term deposits or something. And um, it was just illustrating basically the need to why you have to invest. Do you think much can be done to address that socially and education-wise in terms of that risk aversion from investing? And even if we, some of us do invest, it tends to be in pretty low return assets. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that more can be done. A part of why we started Learn, Grow, Invest is to help with these situations because there is a, a lot of times the concept of risk that scares persons out of investing. But risk is in everything, you know, and so in, in investing, you think about calculated risk and education lowers that risk. So in that same um, IG post that you're referring to, Somebody used the fixed deposit medium for seven years to invest. And, you know, at the end of seven years, they, they got a little over 7% return. So if you think about that, think about inflation, think about time value of money. That person essentially lost money, right? Because if they had put that money or let's say they even went, um, moderate and put half in the fixed deposit, half in the stock market, I think they would have seen a much better return overall because that's not worth the return that they got. Now, I mean, the, the, the thing to really note about a situation like that is that, you know, I saw it somewhere, I, I, I posted it, so I don't have the context. I don't know what advice they would have gotten. I don't know their, their mm. risk tolerance or anything like that, but it's, if you if you invest in low risk, as you said, there are low returns. So if you're aiming to build wealth, then low risk, low return is not really going to help. You know, if you're aiming for capital preservation, if you're aiming for just, you know, um, you know, modest appreciation, fine. But I mean the aim is to, to get to a place where you don't have to work for money. Right, that's that's why we're we're investing. So you want to have a balance between low risk, medium risk, high risk in your portfolio. Now the older you get, the less risk that you want to take on. And so I think to answer the first part of your question, I find that the older generation is a little bit more risk averse than the younger generation, because the younger generation actually their goals are different. You know, they're less about you know, the house and the car and marriage, they're more about how they can improve their, their lifestyle. So it really depends on who you speak to. Now, that person who did the fixed deposit was an older person. And because if you think about it, nobody my age or younger would really be thinking about a, 
a fixed deposit, right? That's uh, that's not something we think about. We're we're thinking about the stock market. We're thinking about how we can get you know at least double digit returns per year. Some persons aim for double digit returns per month. I mean, depending on how savvy you are. So it's it's something that we can do more about. It's something that you know channels like Learn Grow Invest we seek to help persons with that education because if you know calculated ways to make money you can you know do better and i've heard stories where persons are able to make more money from investing than they would from their nine to five jobs so my goal is to do both right i don't want to know that if i'm injured or i'm not well or have a medical emergency i i don't have anything to 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 fall on, you know, because we can get health insurance, but the health insurance covers you for for the for the emergency only. It does not mm-hmm. really compensate for the lifestyle that you'll want to have. So let's say that you know someone loses their their income, and um, which which happened in COVID, right? So persons would have lost their jobs if I'm they were exactly if they were savvy with investing and they were doing it for a while and they would have been educated then they would have been able to supplement their income until they found another job so that's why we invest and so risk is there right so there there's a risk right now that the stock market doesn't open tomorrow and then so how are we going to sell the stocks that we would have purchased and again as i had said before that's why we invest in multiple streams of income because we can't rely on just one source for for wealth. Agreed, and I think another important thing to to tie in there is the importance of a well planned, well stocked emergency fund. Because ideally, if you were to have been waylaid by COVID, which many have been, um, you wouldn't want to have to pull from your investments, um, ideally, unless it carried on, say, for nine months a year. So s- some people believe in, in having less in emergency funds. My, my personal belief is six months. Um, but some people, like my sister, believe uh, or try to go for a year, and then everything after that is investments. But whichever you decide, um, it, you got, it got to be a, a level of security that you're comfortable with. Yeah, so with the, the important thing to note is that with an emergency fund, it doesn't have to be a hard and fast thing. So you can have it set in a way where it's practical for what you need. So for us, what we do with our emergency, we have enough cash to be able to do what we have calculated, our basic emergencies. The rest of it, we, we supplement with a credit card, which we pay in full each month. So if we, if we have our credit card paid in full in each month, that serves as our emergency fund because that may cover a portion of our salary. And then the rest of it, we have some in some short-term cash and cash equivalent investments. And then the rest are all tied up in, in assets that we can sell if we need to, but they may take us a few months. Because, you know, we believe in, you know, to so, so go back to the same fixed deposit principle, if you keep six months worth of salary in cash, that's a lot of money lost that you could invest. So you can supplement 
let's say, you know, two months out of that six months or three months and invest in something short term, take out some of that money each time while you grow that fund. And so you always have that money working and not just having it sitting there for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Because when you save that emergency fund, what now happens to that money? To, to me, it can't just stay there. If you, if you have it saved at the age of 24 and you keep that for 20, 25 years, you'd have lost so much money not investing that money. Does I, I that get, make sense? I, I, I get your point. Uh, at the end of the day, it does come down to security. So for me, I, I am not going to not have a six-month emergency fund. Um, so that's, okay. that's something I am going to do. But um, at the end of the day, uh, as I mentioned, it got to be a number that you are comfortable with. Uh, some people... It's pretty much just two months. Some people it's three months. Some people it's six months. Some people it's twelve months. But yeah. I think that's something people forget because life does happen. And if something happened with your car or a health event um, that needed you to have cash immediately, not something that you have to wait a few weeks for, then you do want to have that. Or and for me personally, want to have that mental thing where you know I have that money there. It's no questions that I got going try and liquidate stock at, at a price when, when it's going, going down, you know? So, so exactly. that's it. So it all depends on, on the individual, but ultimately once you're comfortable with your decision, that, that's more what matters. Um, it's not really hard and fast rule on that, as you would have mentioned. Yeah, definitely. So I want to, want to move on to someone is a new investor. I should say if they're a new investor, they're not an investor because they've never invested before, but they're completely new that they're, know that they should be investing from maybe some light reading or looking at some YouTube videos, Instagram, whatever. What would your advice be for someone with no clue on what's the difference between a, a, a REIT, REIT, or an ETF, or a stock? They don't really know the difference between any, any of these things. But what would your advice be for someone completely pretty much new to investing? Okay. So if you're absolutely brand new, the first thing that you want to do is speak to a financial advisor, right? That's the very first thing, because if you're brand new, you can even choose a vehicle that may not be the best one for you. So that's, that's your first step. Now I can say the very next step should be to start your process of learning about investing. So all of those names you mentioned, all those funds or stocks or bonds, you can learn about them over time. And then as you learn, you'll, you'll say, well, you know, I started out one way, maybe I'll move to something else because I know now that this is better suited for what I want to do. So the, I mean, those, those first two things I would recommend to anybody who is brand new because it's just because stocks are perfect for me doesn't make it perfect for someone else. Exactly. And the, the truth is you want to have the right mix of assets really for, for your investment portfolio, right? So a lot of people, when they talk about investing is really just stocks or anything that's, that's related. But for me, investing is much more. So if you're, if you're wondering about investing first, you should understand what is investing. And once you understand that investing is pretty much spending money to acquire an asset with the hope that it will appreciate in value at some later date, right? So if I buy something for $10, 
at some point in the future, I may want to sell it for $12 or 13 or 15 or maybe even $100. So that's what investing is. Now, that being said, all those vehicles that you mentioned are different mediums to invest, right? Some are low risk, some are high risk, some are managed by others, some you have to do yourself, and they all vary. So the quality of a bond in, in Jamaica may not be the same as it is in, in, in Barbados or in the US. So again, if, if depending on, on where you are, the, the vehicle that you choose would be different. So once you understand investing, you start to learn about the products, you, you learn about how to, to start investing, then you can choose, you know, and all of this would be guided by a licensed financial advisor. And then you can now just, you know, test, you know, take out what doesn't work, add to what does work, mm -hmm. and you'll start to make money over time. And the message to start is no. And especially if you're listening to this and you're in your 20s, that, that is something I, I wish I had um, been able to do. Um, so definitely the best thing to do is, as Jeremy would have mentioned, something my sister is doing now, which is um, before she starts managing her own portfolio, instead of just putting it into a robo-advisor, she's reading some books and getting up to speed and anything I want to talk about, let's do. I, I, I think um, from what I have seen or noticed, women tend to be put off from investing just because it seems highly complex and they might not know the terms and the, the jargon and stuff like that. Not that it, it, this applies to, to a fair bit of men too, but I see it more in women uh, where they can be put off from even bothering. Um, was Is that something that you notice or am I a bit off with that? Well, it, it, it really depends. I, I know that I can, I can speak for my wife and my sister. So my wife leaves the investing to me. Um, should we, we discuss major investments. So if it is, for example, we're doing a real estate transaction, she'll be a part of it. But the day-to-day, -day, for example, stock tracking or, you know, buying one stock, selling the other, she may not be interested in that. Uh, she may say from time to time, I like this company but she keeps it very simple my sister on the other hand she invests a lot more she she manages her own portfolio and so for her it's 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 important for her to do that because of of where mm -hmm. she's coming from so she was single for a while so she had no choice but to do it herself learn herself now she's married and she can manage it with 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 her husband but it really depends i think on mm -hmm. where you are on twitter i see a lot of women being interested in investing actually and you know they want to learn when we when we have our our youtube lives they're they're on there mm -hmm. to learn as well so it, it really depends on who you speak to generally though i would say you're right generally you don't see a lot of women talking about it but I think once that same education is there, once they see, you know, persons speaking up about it, once it's simple language, then they can get involved even in a small way. Because the thing about investing is you don't need to do, it's not something that you need to do every day. You can make two or three investment decisions per year and that's enough. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's just really about getting mm-hmm. general education out for them. And once they see what the options are, I actually think women make better financial decisions in general because they may look at it More a balanced. little less. Um, <laughs> there you go. So whereas for us men, we, we, we actually, we're actually more focused on making as much money as possible. Women are like, well, okay, I want to make this money here, but I also have different, different responsibilities. How do I balance that? I mean, guys just maybe care about seeing as, mm-hmm. as much money as capital they can. appreciation versus capital <laughs> and, I mean, preservation. Exactly. And it's not to say one is better than the other, because I believe when, when, for example, a couple works together, you get the best of both worlds. Both, both perspectives help you to make better investment decisions. I would definitely agree with that. And, and from, from talking to my sister, the reason she would have went down the robo-advisor, which, which is one thing I love about um, America, and I guess Europe as well has it, is it does make it more easier. While I personally would never use a robo-advisor, it, it does make it more easier... <laughs> Uh, for, uh, I don't want to say newbies, but that's essentially what it is, um, to, to invest and ultimately get returns. So it, it's better to be investing yeah. through whatever means and not be investing and just have it in a credit union or, or bank account. Exactly. But exactly. the thing she was... It should just the thing be... She was, right? It should just yep, be easy. Yep. And yeah. the thing she was hesitant about in terms of just managing her own money through Vanguard or Charles Schwab or whatever was that, she didn't know the jargon and the terminology and it was like um, a bit scary to her to have to do it. Um, so, so that's um, just something that I guess would apply really to any, any new investor that isn't coming from a finance investment um, background. Um, I, this, this next thing I want to get into, which is to do with um, CARICOM. I was hearing, I can't remember, I think it was two months ago, I was seeing some Jamaican business person, I think it was mentioning that we really should have like one um, stock market essentially so that say Barbadian businesses can be funded by more, more easily because Jamaicans can fund Barbies or invest in Barbies businesses, but it's not as seamless as it could be. And whereas someone saying in Grenada could fund uh, a Dominican, a, a a Guyanese business and it be allowing capital to flow freely throughout the Caribbean so that businesses can expand and ultimately lead to better economic development. Do do you think that's something that CARICOM leadership to do in terms of making it much easier for regional regional investors to invest across borders? Yeah, I mean, it's... Anything that we can do to facilitate easier, more diversified investments for all of the Caribbean countries, I think it'll be a great thing. Um, I'm here wondering if it's maybe David Mullings that you heard, because he's a great advocate for these type of, of things that we're talking about right now for, you know, investing, investing in, in the Caribbean, investing in Jamaica. And I mean, it's, it just makes sense, right? Because I would love to see the opportunities that are available in your country that are available in, in Trinidad or, or available in, in places where I'm, I may not have the same knowledge as in Jamaica. So if we can remove those barriers, because I would love to see at some point the, 
the opportunity to invest globally from one place. You know, so not even just thinking about the Caribbean. I would love to to get get access to investments in China or in 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 Singapore. Like it it should be that I think with with where we are with technology, these types of transactions should be facilitated a lot easier. And I'm actually hoping that in the Caribbean we can just make those things happen in a way that we can get to those who really really need it. Because if you think about it, those who are already wealthy, it's easy to make a call, you know, get, get, get information, get certain mm-hmm. things done for us who are still trying to build wealth. For us, it's all about access to information, access to capital and having the right systems in place to allow us to make those or, investments. Or even being so able to, to simply imagine do it because um, rich people can invest wherever exactly, they want pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, and it, it, it just makes sense. So one of the things for us as Learn, Grow, Invest that we actually try to do and we welcome our persons across the Caribbean to join our community. So we try to actively reach out to persons who are in the investment space across the region, reach out to them, you know, share ideas. You know, we, we invite them to join our community and we see how we can help each other because that way we can maybe share opportunities to, to invest across those countries, you know, maybe even in a way that we never did before. Fully, fully, fully agree. And, and one thing I think we, I, I've never heard of discussion in terms really of the, the black community, but from my background in finance and the job I do, I hear quite often is, is to do with trust and trust funds. So if, if you hear about trust funds, that's normally rich people or wealthy, fairly wealthy people setting up things <laughs> to pass on assets to the next generation. Um, so I think yeah. a, a lot of it does stem too from financial education, either from the family or ideally because some families don't have the information to pass on it should probably be inculcated at school as well. Um, so a, a lot of, of stuff to do with investment and building wealth is truly mindset. Yeah, yeah, but if you if you think about it, our parents can't teach us what they didn't learn themselves. So a lot of the previous generation could not pass on the right attitudes towards money because Maybe they were just focused on making a living. Maybe the, what, what was enough for them was just to put food on the table and to ensure that we have a roof over our heads. But for us, we have the opportunity now to do more than that, to teach our children the right mindset. But for us to teach them that we need to have it. Agreed. Agreed. Ourselves. The, the best thing anyone can do for themselves is, is level up their, their earning skills in terms of having a high value skill. But there, there are quite a few people with high value skills or earning good money that are not good stewards of the money. So the, the, two, the two do go yeah, together. Yeah. Having the high earning skill is very important if you, can, if you can have the capability to get that. But there are people in the teaching profession, because when we think of teaching, we think it's a solid, solid middle class profession, nothing spectacular. But there are people that are teachers that have retired as millionaires, literally. And are, are doing quite comfortably in retirement uh, and retiring from early 60s as well, not, not 67. 
Um, so, so I think sometimes people can think that you have to be on a, a real manager, senior manager, executive level to be able to retire with, with, um, you know, in great comfort or, or at least decent comfort, but that is not necessarily the case. And one thing I would, I would, um, ask anyone listening right now is, do you know the numbers for what you need to retire? Um, in your, your specific country, maybe you'll get your exact payout and, um, in terms of pensions and, and whatever, like here we have NAS, uh, maybe you'll get all that is due to you. Maybe you won't, but uh, maybe the retirement age will be what they say it will be. Maybe it won't. But the question is, do you know how much money you will need to see true retirement? Because women typically live longer than men. But even in that case, as a, a woman or as a man, do you know the ballpark figure of how much you would need, say, with a 95% confidence level that this will be sufficient? And I don't think many people they talk to know that number. They, they couldn't even probably guess the number. No, they don't. So what you're probably saying now is probably the first time some might have heard about it. So that's actually a very important thing. So there's actually a way to calculate that number. And there, there are many theories about it, but you should know that number. I, I mean, you should, I, I think one of the theories I heard was if you have enough saved for 25 years of expenses, that should be enough. That's one of them that I heard. And when I did that math, I was like, okay, 25 years, I still wasn't really satisfied with that number. So I started mm -hmm. to tweak that a little bit. And so I was able to calculate, you know, reasonably well, what would work for, for me and my yeah. wife in multiple you situations. Obviously, you obviously right? got because to take you, into account as an older person, you will have healthcare costs almost sure. There you go. Very lucky. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. that, that if, yeah. if there's only one thing you take away from, from our conversation, I hope it will be that, that what is your number? Like what standard of living are you happy with whenever, hopefully God willing, you get to retirement. And if you're on track for that number, that's fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing. But if like, um, I, well, I don't want to call any names, but if someone close to me recently, I had to help them calculate the number. They thought they were on track, but then when we ran the numbers, they were 40% off track. So it's a good thing they've caught that at 32. Yeah. There's still a lot they can do about it. But I, I wonder and worry about how many people are just going through life and not knowing any idea what the number is. Because if you, you can't achieve a goal that you don't know needs to be gotten. Exactly. Yeah, so I really, I mean, you see it that many people don't think about it because go back to the first thing we spoke about, um, well, something we spoke about earlier, those low risk, low return investments, do you think those get you closer to your number or they keep you further away? So, I mean, if persons knew that number, then they would change their investment strategy because the, the younger you are, the, the more flexible and the long, the, the more risk that the more low risk you can take if you want. But it's actually recommended that the younger you are, the more risk. So let's say we switch that now to somebody who's older. The older you are, you actually can't afford the risk, but you also need the money. So imagine somebody starting to invest at 50 and retirement is 65. They don't have anything saved, no pension, and they have medical trouble. That's going to be an extremely challenging investment journey. It's not impossible, but it's going to be challenging. And... 
it starts with as early as possible us understanding and taking control of our finances. Exactly, and education information is the key. The longer you leave it, the harder it's going to be. Every single year that passes without starting is essentially for this specific goal, a year wasted, um, essentially. So that means with the time value of money, you could have maybe got by on saving, invest, well, investing six, seven, eight hundred uh, US a, a month. You wait till 10, five, 10 years later, maybe you got to invest 1500 a month. So, so it's just a matter of, of getting started as early as possible. If you've not started knowing you're 37, hope is not lost. But you do have to get active and get active pretty urgently and with intention. Um, so, so that's what I, I would say on that. Um, I want to close up by asking, what what's next for Learn, Grow, Invest? You have described the, the growth of your community over the last four years or so, and it's really grown quite well over over the last four years. Um, what's next for you? I guess over the next um, Olympic four-year cycle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, we have some very, very big aspirations. What we're hoping that can take place over the next four years, we want to keep growing. We want to reach persons in the Caribbean. As I said before, we want to get into schools. We want to be able to have an impact on the education system as it relates to, to finance and investing. We want to be able to have programs that we can have persons go through to learn the, the steps of investing. So, I mean, the, the form that that will take, I won't get into right now, but we're just going to be building on what we have already done. And we, we have a goal this year, for example, to reach 10,000 investors. And that's a goal we're really pushing for. And from there, if we're able to get to that 10,000, we likely move the bar to 25,000 then to 50,000, then to 100,000. So hopefully in the next four years, if we should speak again, four years from now, we'll be you know, well on our way to reaching 100,000 investors, whether that be through, um, through the schools or through the Caribbean. However, it comes where we're open to how the Lord leads us, but we, we just want to grow. And I mean, at some point, we hope to get, you know, sponsorships or partnerships that can help us scale even further and we just want to keep spreading the message of of building wealth and you know building it in a way that will will lead to the well what we call the complete investor right so for for us it's not just about the pursuit of wealth at the expense of your mental physical or spiritual health not at the expense of your family or your friendships, not at the expense of your fulfillment or purpose. So those things are important to us. And that's why we're not just, you know, doing the same things that everybody else is doing. It, it's not just, you know, get rich tomorrow or get rich, you know, in two months. It's, it's about building a foundation. And so we're hoping to build on that and, to just grow. Well, I really appreciate what you said there about it, not just being about building wealth and getting there quickly, because uh, that, that's something I fundamentally believe is stewardship of the resources you're given or the blessings you're given 
and passing that on to the next generation. And ultimately, it's about about family, really, uh, at the end of the day. Uh, that's yeah. my yeah. perspective on it. So really want to thank you for coming on the, the podcast. Jermaine, we're going to include the links in the podcast description. And you can go check them out, of course, on Instagram, get involved. Um, a lot of interesting videos and content and just general educational tips on finance and investing really being shared by, by the team over there. So keep doing the great work, man. Yes, uh, same for you. I mean, keep doing what you're doing. I, I think it's it's great that, I mean, a podcast is such a great medium to reach people. It's something that I'm hoping to, to get into as well. But what I like to see are persons who are reaching their own niche so you know your audience is important mine is important and we each need to play our part in reaching those who we're called to reach couldn't agree with you more couldn't agree with you more so thanks very much again for coming on and um have a good one keep safe all right you too thank you all right bye-bye Thank you for listening to another episode of the New Vision Podcast. Of course, you can download any episode from your favorite platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many of your other favorite platforms. We really appreciate if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, Obviously, this really helps with the algorithm. And we would also appreciate if you have any feedback or commentary and you'd like to even ask us a question as well. You can leave that through the Anchor voice messages feature. Alternatively, if you don't have Anchor, you can get in touch with us on Instagram or on Twitter. Until next time.